Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, the activity, the fellowship for tomorrow, that's for everybody. That's not just church members. Just want you to know that. If you are not a member, you are welcome to come. One of the things that helps, the, helps believers, ladies and gentlemen, is hanging out with each other. This is important. This is vital, what we're doing right here. Absolutely vital. But don't underestimate the power of just everyday fellowship with other believers. Whether it's on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. We need each other. The Lord made us that way to be an encouragement and a help. And we can have fun doing other things and honor the Lord while we do it. So I, I just I want to invite everybody to that. Even though you may uh, be visiting, you're certainly welcome. We're actually quite friendly. Uh, the people here get along pretty good here. So... Matthew chapter 16, if you are able to stand, let's go ahead and uh, stand for the reading of God's word, <laughs> if you're able to stand. By the way, we've got a little slide presentation, or not a slide, but a, uh, a video presentation of uh, just some of the events of last year through pictures that had been taken. Uh, so uh, we'll do that up front after our opening music this evening. And we'll show that. And we can look at some pictures where we caught you and you weren't ready. Those are fun. I'd like you to begin at verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. <clears throat> and I say unto thee that thou art Peter... And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, the title will come from verse 18. I will build my church, says the Lord Jesus. I will build my church. And so this will not be an exhaustive study on the church, but it will certainly be a message on the church. It's relevance for us right now, and uh, we will emphasize and clear, give clarity to the context here as well. There's a lot in the New Testament about the church. So before I get ahead of myself, let's pray. Father, I am excited to be here. I'm excited to share your word. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, help me to be relaxed as I present this. I pray that your Holy Spirit would use your word and minister to hearts as we are assembled together. I pray that everybody would feel as though the message is for them personally. We pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified, your church would be strengthened. And I pray if there are any in the house who are lost, today would be the day of their salvation. We love you and praise you. May you bless our special music now. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Hannah. All right. <clears throat> 
Back to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Let me get this adjusted. Okay. This is the first time as we went through the book of Matthew where we read about the church. It's the first mention in the New Testament. Matthew is speaking primarily to the Jews. It, uh, he uses a lot of references uh, that the Jewish culture would understand. And he emphasizes in the book of Matthew that Jesus is the king of the Jews. And that is what he's establishing, but obviously it is for all of us. Here the Lord Jesus presents to us something that the Jews had not heard of, this thing called the church. The Apostle Paul would call it a mystery that had been withheld for for a dispensation, and now it's being revealed. Do you realize that you and I are assembled in this room right now? Right now, we are here in this building together around this book because Jesus established the church. That's why we're here. The Lord Jesus established the church, and the result is the people of God have a place to fellowship and grow and honor the Lord. Now, last week we talked about... uh, Uh, taught from a passage in Matthew 1 where uh, the purpose of the birth of Christ was that he would save us from our sins. Well, there was more to it because once you're saved from your sin, where do you go from there? All of those that were saved from their sins, they began to find each other and hang out together because something happened in their heart and something happened in their lives. And, you know, uh, people tend to hang out with people that they have something in common with. And this was so revolutionary at the time. I mean, it was, it was so, it was so uh, uh, transcending when it comes to the things of this world. People experience this new birth, salvation. They're going to go to heaven. They're not going to hell. They're saved by grace through, the, through Jesus Christ. Even though some of them may have had a limited understanding, there was power in that name. And oh, uh, through the apostles, I mean, signs and wonders took place to set the stage and prepare the platform for the preaching of the gospel. By the way, the gospel's always been the most important uh, thing going on. When, it, when you read the New Testament, you'll read about miracles, you'll read about these signs and wonders, but it was all about the gospel. Because it didn't matter if you gave a man his sight back, and it didn't matter if you helped a man walk again, and it didn't matter if you only fed a man and only clothed a man. It didn't matter if you just delivered him from leprosy. If he died and went to hell, ladies and gentlemen, that's forever. That's forever. But if a man receives Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they're delivered from their sins, they're saved. Oh, they're rescued from hell and they got a home in heaven. they got a heavenly Father. they got a new birth, a new nature inside now. And they've got the ability to combat the old nature. I'm here to tell you, giving them a fighting chance in this world. And though they may never get their sight, physical sight back, and though they may never get all the things in this world that uh, their flesh desires and craves, I'm here to tell you, they got all of heaven and all the glory to look forward to. And I'm telling you, it'll be a great day when we get there because we get a new body. And it doesn't matter how long you live in this life, this body's going to get old, it's going to get decrepit. We talked about that. Decrepit, that's not a word we pull out very often, is it? Some of you say, man, I felt decrepit this morning. But hey, that's just the reality of life, but glory to God, as believers, we have something to look forward to. But while we're on our journey, before we get there, I'm here to tell you there's a whole lot of people in this world that don't care about what we have. They don't care. 
And that's why it's so important that we get together and we find each other. We fellowship with each other. And the Lord Jesus, so the text that we read, let me give you some splaining. That's what Ricky told Lucy. And so let me explain it here. So Jesus had asked the question. He said, who do men say that I am? And some said John the Baptist. Some said uh, Elijah. Some said one of the prophets. And Peter stepped up. uh, And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus, it almost appears that he gives him a pat on the back. And the Lord Jesus said, that's right, Peter. That's, you did a good job, Peter. And he goes on to say, let me just get to my passage here. Let me turn to it because I want to read it accurately. Oh, wouldn't you know it? I lost my page. Here we go. So uh, the Lord says this, blessed art thou, verse 17, Simon Barjona. By the way, that's Peter. He went by a few different names there. <clears throat> For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now that's pretty significant, ladies and gentlemen. If you've called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, it's because God uh, spoke to you and made you aware of the truth. That's the grace of God. Verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to pull out three things from verse 18. Three things I want to pull out. And give some clarity to. First of all, uh, we could call it the block. The block of the building. The block, or we could call it the the block of the church or the foundation of the church. And that is, it is faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now Jesus doesn't mention baptism here. It comes in later to play. We see that. He mentions it at the end of Matthew. He talks about teaching them, baptizing them, and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever he's commanded. But in this passage, he's, he's general, and he zeroes in on the number one, uh, uh, the number one prerequisite of, uh, of, the, of his church and, and the building material of his church. And that is faith in the fact that Jesus Christ died for the sins of man, and those who personally receive him as their Savior... Trust Him, believing that He is the Savior. That's the rock. That's the building. That's the block. That's the foundation of the church. Right there. Right there. That's that's the most important thing. Without that, nothing else matters. You can get dipped in the water a hundred times. That ain't going to get you saved. Hello? They can dip you, sprinkle you. They can pour syrup over you. It ain't going to get you any more saved than, than... Crossing your arms and crossing your legs and quoting a scripture. No, no, no. you got to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. So the Lord Jesus zeroes in right there on the foundation block of the church. If you're a member of the Lighthouse Baptist Church, you had to have uh, testified that you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior. As a matter of fact, if you're a member of any biblical church, any biblical church. Now, there are a lot of churches out there, and that doesn't mean they're all biblical. Hello? But if you're a member of a biblical church, you had to give a testimony that you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He is your Savior. Personally, you received Him. You didn't get Him by proxy. You didn't become a member by parents. You didn't become a member because, you're, uh, because of your baptism or anything. You became a member, number one, priority one, is you received Jesus. That's what the Lord's talking about here. I don't think we can dispute that. It's pretty obvious. 
That's the building block. So if I could, for just a moment, I brought me some building blocks. Here's a building block. Will they fit? Oh, good, they will fit. So, let me just uh, pick out a family. Pick on a family. Levi, can I pick on you? Okay. Levi received Jesus Christ as a Savior. He was baptized. He assembled here with us, 524 Northwest Street, when we first started. He and his family, building block, Pandora, Deanna, Beth, and Kevin was attending at the time. The Reeds, Aaron Reed. Aaron Reed made a profession of faith. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to have that testimony. His dear wife, she comes to soul winning class and discovers, I need to get saved. I love it. She was wanting to learn how to bring people to Christ, and in her own heart, she didn't have security, so she nailed it down. She got security about salvation. Oh, they're members of the Lighthouse Baptist Church. They were building blocks. Building blocks. Let's see. Let me pull out the Sheets family. John and Linda Sheets. I know these are different time spans, but that's all right. So we got the Figleys, the Reeds, the Sheets here. I could have pulled out the bats. I could have pulled out the bats. Tracy wasn't, or Terry wasn't here, so I can't pick on her. Uh, anyways, and so the Lord builds his church. He builds it on the foundation of those who put faith in Christ. Now, if we want to take this a little bit further, which I think we ought to, and you don't have to turn there for time's sake, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, in Acts 2, verse 41, there were over 3,000 people that made a profession of faith and wanted to get baptized. They followed the Lord and believers' baptism. In Acts 2, verse 41. Now watch it, the way it reads. It reads like this. And they that gladly received his word, they received Jesus Christ. It says, we're baptized. They got baptized after, after, after they made a decision, a profession of faith in Christ. And then it says... And the Lord added. They were added unto the church. That's what it says. Added. You can't add to something that wasn't there. All right? So I'm just under, under the opinion. I'm not going to argue with anybody about this. It's not worth it. But I believe the church started when Jesus got on, when he started assembling his disciples. You say, well, they weren't baptized. What did John do? Excuse me. So anyways, uh, that's when it started. But it, got, it was empowered and added and multiplied to as we go into the book of Acts. But I'm not going to argue a big point of where you think it was started. That's just my opinion there. The fact of the matter is, inevitably, the Lord Jesus built the church. He built the church with the building blocks of faith, the building blocks of personal testimony in Christ. He put people together. They assembled them to, together. Uh, the Lord, if you're a believer and the Lord led you, if you're a believer and you came here, friend, I'm just telling you, the Lord led you here. And I hope you feel that way. I hope you have that deep assurance in your heart that God allowed me to assemble here at this local church. All right? <clears throat> so here they are. But in Acts 2.41, I just want to go back there real quick. They were baptized, baptized. Well, what was that all about? That was immersion, by the way. That wasn't sprinkling. That wasn't just a dipping your big toe in there. Oh, no, that was all the way under and all the way up. Because baptism, baptism identifies you with the death, burial, and resurrection. When we bury people, we don't half bury them. Hello? We don't leave their, their torso up above the ground, or we don't put their legs up above the ground. We bury them completely when we bury them, right? 
uh, you'd feel kind of funny if the, your loved one, you went to the cemetery and the, 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 the man said, well, we can, that's only going to cover half. And, and so part of the family says, well, we'll just pay half. And so you put half of them underground. That'd be kind of weird. No, we don't do that. No, baptism identifies us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so these people in Acts were baptized, and in so doing, they were testifying, we're one of you. We're one of you. We believe in Jesus who died and was buried and rose again. We're one of you. And that identified them. That put them in, the fam- in that family in the sense. Now our protocol at this church is this. If you have received Christ as your personal Savior and you have been scripturally baptized, that means in the water all the way under, and then you come back up, glory to God, or you wouldn't be here. Uh, uh, you've been scripturally baptized... You are qualified to be a member of this church as long as you're not living in immorality. Hello. You're qualified. And if you, you feel under the Lord to join this church, and we've talked about that, come on down. I was going to say the price is right. but <laughs> So, we got the blocks here. The blocks. And that is the testimony of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we got the builder. We got to zero in on the builder for just a second. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's a work that he does. It's a work that he does. Now, I'm only going to be scratching the surface on this idea of what the Bible says about the church. That's all I'm doing. I'm just going to take this text and kind of go from there because there's so much more I could share with you. There's so many other things about the church that we need to know about. But from this passage right here, it's important for us to know where the the building block, that that foundational building block, that's faith in Christ and and how the Lord, he says, I will build my church. So so here's a guy that maybe he gets saved over here and uh, he gets saved at his house. And here's a guy that he might visit this this particular assembly and he gets saved in this assembly. And so so he gets saved in this assembly. And here's another guy. He gets saved uh, 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 at work uh, during lunchtime. Uh, somebody shares the gospel with them, and, and the Lord says, I'll build my church, and he puts them together. He puts them together. Now, this is important because the word church, you need to understand what the word church means. I'm going to quiz you afterward, okay? The word church, you've got to understand this. You've got to get this. The word church means called out assembly. It's not a disassembly. It's assembly. It's, a, it's a, a body of believers. Speaking from the Bible perspective, it is a body of baptized believers who have assembled themselves together. That's important for us to understand. And the Lord does that. He's the builder of that. Now, there's a distinction between, between an attender and a member. What are you talking about, Willis? Well... People can visit, and we love it when people visit. But visiting doesn't make you a member, right? I mean, in some cases, folks visit from out of town, and we welcome them. We love the fellowship, especially if they know the Lord, and we love to be able to fellowship with them. But they're not members. It's difficult to enjoy a membership when you live 100, 200 miles away, sometimes even 50 miles away, and for some, even, 10, for some, even two blocks away. But I, no. <laughs> But it's, you know, distance can have an effect. Now, but uh, they're visiting. And then there's a group that 
they attend and they attend often and we love it and we're, we're so glad they attend often and I want everybody to feel welcome. I want everybody to enjoy the word of God. But there is a difference if you've attended a hundred times. You're still not a member if you're just an attender. Because the difference is this. You see, uh, it's when the Lord builds his church, his church, When he builds his church, there's a little more commitment involved. A little bit more commitment. A visitor and attender don't have that commitment. But someone who says, I want to be part of this fellowship. They're saying, listen, listen, listen. They're saying, I believe God's led me here. By the way, who, who's the founder of the church? He's the builder of the church. Let me just throw this at you as well. The church is also called the bride of Christ. The church is, <clears throat> while it's on this earth, there are numerous churches, local, called out assemblies. One day, all believers, all believers, all real believers will be caught up together in the air, we will be assembled together, assembled together with the Lord Jesus Christ, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is a called out assembly, and that's the primary assembly that we're talking about here in, in uh, well, actually it's not, because <laughs> I'm going to prove this in just a moment, but that is the end result of his church building on this earth. He calls them up, and we are ever with the Lord in our glorified bodies. And we return at, after the tribulation period, and I'll get into eschatology later. But, uh, and so we're assembled together like that. But uh, until then, the Lord has local churches. A person who says, well, I go to church in my backyard. Well, they don't understand what church means, number one. And number two, they do not go to church in their backyard. And you can't, because it's a called out assembly. Are you hearing me? And the church is the bride. Now, this is important. That term is used, bride. It's also used as a building, and it's also the church is termed as a body. These are terms that are used to help us understand the significance of the church. Let's consider the bride for a moment. Uh, those of you that are married, married men, married men, do you get upset if somebody antagonizes your wife? Hello? You ought to, unless it's your grandbaby. Then it's okay. Oh, no. Hey, fellas. Somebody's uh, uh, slandering your wife, criticizing your wife. Listen, hold the coffee. It ought to. I mean, hey, listen, be stable in it and don't let your emotions get the best of you. Make sure you get all the facts. But the fact of the matter is you shouldn't feel good about your wife feeling bad or getting hurt. Hello? We ought to be caring for our wives. Now, the Lord Jesus loves his church. 
The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.25 that husbands are to love their wives as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus loves the church. He, he's not just a builder, um, I'm telling you, but he, he purchased the material. He purchased the material. Well, this is going to get practical in a moment, but you need to understand this. Why do we assemble together? Why do we get together every Sunday? Why do we get together on Wednesday night? Why do we do it on Sunday morning? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews uh, 10.25, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Man, we need each other. I need your fellowship. You need fellowship with each other. We need to get together. Whether we know it or not, one week without church makes one week. Though that sounds like a cliche, that is a reality. That's a reality. Anybody that's been in church for a while knows, yeah, I get away from church for a while. I feel it. It affects me. Even if it's because of illness or whatnot, it affects me. He built this, he builds this church, we're the material. He's the builder, we're the material. By the way, he builds the, he, he builds the church with other material, but the primary material is our testimony in Christ. But you know, our effort, our labor, our prayers, our work, our service, our handing out gospel tracts, witnessing to people, those are all materials that God uses to build his church. There's people here today that are here because uh, God used the material of somebody else inviting them. Somebody running a bus or a van, having a nursery. Are you hearing me? So, we have the, the building blocks, we've got the builder, but then we've got the battle here that's mentioned. The battle. Look at verse 18, it says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the gates of hell. Now, hold the coffee. Uh, when you see, when you picture gates, do they have feet? They get up and walk? Gates don't get up and walk unless Samson's carrying them. That's the only gates that got up and walked that I read about in the Bible. Oh, no, no, no. You know what the Lord's telling us there? He's telling us the church is to be attacking the gates of hell. Well, why? Because we got the key. He tells Peter, next verse, you got the keys. I've given you some authority. What key was that? The gospel. You see, if you've been born again, if you've received Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, somebody knocked the gates of hell and shared the gospel with you. You may not have received it the first time, second or third time, but if you eventually received it, it's because somebody knocked the gates of hell. They were willing to go knock. They were willing to talk. They were willing to share the truth of the gospel. And you got set free. Are you hearing me? You see, what we've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is the church is actually militant. Well, that's kind of harsh. We could use some masculinity today. Come on now, you know we could. It's disgusting what they're they're teaching and propagating on TV and in the public school system. It's just disgusting. It really is. Can't figure out if if he's a guy or if she's a girl and can't figure all this stuff out. Come on now. The doctor knew that. I'm going to get off that. We're together. You know what I'm talking about, I hope. But we need, we need boys to be masculine. I mean, there's a right way to be masculine. But the church, the church, the church is, is to be the aggressor. Is it a church if it's not trying to reach people with the gospel? 
Is it a church if it's not, hand, if it's not uh, with fervency, with energy, uh, trying to propagate the truth of God's word? You know, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 tells us this. Paul says uh, to Timothy that you would know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of God, uh, the house of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. That's what he said the church was. It is the house of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You see, the church is supposed to be like a city set on a hill. It's supposed to, it, it's, it, it, matter of fact, in Revelation, Jesus had a, had a message for the seven churches, and they're called candles. And they're to let their light so shine, just like you and I individually are supposed to do. The church is supposed to do that. Now I ask you a question we're thinking about. This is a question we're thinking about. First of all, dear member, dear member, I ask you this. Oh, this is, I know it's a heavy-duty question, and I know you, you, you want something cozy and comfy. You needed some jokes, and you needed some smiles, and I hope you've enjoyed that. But I've got to ask you this question. This is a soul-searching question, and it's a question I have to ask myself, too. If our church, if our church was solely based on people with your type of faith, how would our church be? If our church, if our church was simply based on what you give, how you pray, how you witness, how you attend, what kind of church would this, be, this church be? I'm just asking. I'm just, I'm just the guy that's supposed to get up here and, and speak the truth, and whether people like it or not. Hello? What kind of church would it be if they were all like me? You see, we need to understand we got some individual responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. Sure as I say that, there might be folks who say, well, I'm not. I'm just an attender. Well, hold the coffee. If you're a child of God, you got responsibility. You do. Because let's ask ourselves this question. Let's ask ourselves this question. You're a believer, but you're not a member. Now, listen, I'm not trying to prepare, make anybody be a member of this church. You've got to feel led of the Lord. You have to feel led of the Lord. Honest to goodness. I, I don't want anybody to feel obligated and forced to be a member of this church. No way. I want you to feel led of the Lord. But I would say this, friend, according to the Scriptures, if I was some outside biblical counselor to you, number one, I would be part of a church. And number two, if I'm counseling you, I'd say you better get part of a church because it's the Lord's church. The greatest, the greatest thing going on on planet Earth right now is not what's going on at the White House or the outhouse. Could, they can mix those up. It's not what's going on in the NBA. And by the way, it's not even what's going on in college football as much as I'm excited about tomorrow. It's, that's not what it's the greatest thing going on on planet Earth right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's not the, the Christmas basketball tournaments and volleyball tournaments and all of that. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not what's going on in the military. Uh, it's not what's going on in the college realms. It's not what's going on in the business world. The greatest thing going on on planet Earth right now is what's going on in God's church. Amen. I'm telling you, there's only one institute that's set up for the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the evangelization of the lost and the edification of the saved, and that is the church. And I say, dear friend, I say, dear friend, 
You can't. The Lord, want, the Lord is the builder of the church, but he builds the church on commitment, on people who will commit to assemble themselves together. It's, a, it's an act of the will. It's a decision you make of your, from your heart that I want to be part. I want to identify. I want to associate myself with this crowd of people. That's what it is. So whether you attended here, whether we remember here or not, I would tell you, oh, become a member of a Bible-believing church somewhere. And we'll all meet in the sky together at the same place if you know Christ your Savior. But God has a plan for his local churches. When, he, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote to local churches. When he wrote to the Philippians, he wrote to local churches. Now, they all could use the same letters. It was all beneficial. They needed the information that was written to all those churches. But those were all individual churches. Are you hearing me? Well, this is where we were at in our Bible, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just telling you. Well, this is where we're at. Jesus brought up the church. I didn't bring it up. He brought it up. And I'm glad he did. The best things that have happened in my life are the result of the church. I'm glad he did. I'm glad there's a place I can, there's a refuge I can go to. I'm glad there's a, group, a body of believers I can find fellowship and friendship with. I'm glad there are people I can call when I need prayer. I'm brokenhearted. I'm glad there's a place I can land when, man, this world is tearing me up. And I'm glad there's a place that the Lord Jesus said the gates of hell cannot prevail against that. Now, it's important for us to understand this for a second, that phrase, because I try to dissect everything, and I try to think things through as much as possible. We know of lots of good churches that have been around in our neighborhood. Some of us have a few more years on us than others, and you've been around long enough to where you've seen churches rise and fall. Hello? You have. And so when we read a statement like the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, is he talking about every single local church? No, he's not. But he is telling us this. His church will always exist, and the gates of hell will not cannot prevail against the church. One local church might go down, there'll be another one that comes up. One local church goes down, there'll be another one that comes up. Right now in China, they, call, they have what is called the underground church. They find one body of believers that are assembling together. They torment and persecute and put to death some of them. But the survivors, what do they do? They find another place and band together. There's another church. And there's another church. And there's another church. And by the way, that's the church's responsibility to help start other churches. In Acts, it's interesting. The Great Commission, the Great Commission was this. Go ye into all the world. All the world. He said, you, you need to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. All the world. Well, that first church there in Acts chapter 2, they had it going on for a while. Boy, the fire was burning, souls were saved, lives were changed. But they got a little stagnant. They, they only preached to the Jewish people. So the Lord stirred some things up, let them have some persecution. We go into Acts chapter 8. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what happened? The church got spread out. They got spread out. And as they got spread out, they couldn't help it. They talked about Jesus. And as they talked about Jesus, other people got saved. And then the church starts up in Antioch there. And oh, there's a church that got it right, man. They, they started having worldwide missions. Paul and Silas went out of that church and, well, we're here today probably because of their, their willingness to go. 
So uh, we have the building block. We have the builder. We have the battle. And what we've got to decide is individually, okay, where do I fit into all this? How does this help me? Or are you a believer? Do you know Christ is your Savior? See, it's possible. It's possible to be saved and not be a member of a church. It is possible. But it's not possible to be a member of a church and not be saved. I mean, at least your profession. Um, where, when you ask your heart, Where am I at with the church? Is it hit and miss, come and go, feel like it, don't feel like it? Unfortunately, a lot of people are like that. But if you want to know the biblical perspective of the church and the individual believer, it has an absolute correlation. Our, our relationship to Christ, ladies and gentlemen, I believe I can say this with conviction, My relationship to Christ is often revealed by my relationship to my church. I said it's revealed. Now, I understand people get sick. I understand people, uh, every now and then things come up. But I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. Now, let me give you this illustration. We'll wrap it up. Here we go. I said wrap it up. Listen to this illustration. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine. How many of you are familiar with that? Jesus said, I'm the true vine. And then he goes on to say this. And any branch that is in me that bears not fruit, I purge it. He said, I, I, I purge it so that it will produce fruit. That's the purpose. He said, you abide in me, and you're going to produce fruit. You continue to abide in me, you're going to produce more fruit. And they'll be purging as you abide, but that's all right. You abide. The word abide, that's intentional. I'm sitting by you. I'm doing it intentionally. This wasn't an accident. Nobody pushed me down here. I intentionally sat by you. We're close to each other. Well, you've been lifting weights? So uh, this is abiding. This is staying close. Now watch this. Watch this. Oh, bear with me. Now Jesus said, I'm the true vine. We are the branches, if you're a believer. Now watch this. If you're abiding in the true vine, you reckon you're going to be near other branches? Well, Shazam. I think the Lord knew that too. If you're abiding in the true vine, it's just naturally going to, the natural result is, unless you're old John the Apostle who got thrown on the island of Patmos, not because he wanted to be there, he wanted fellowship. His heart craved to be with the people of God. But our desire ought to be, well, as I abide in the true vine, I'm naturally going to be around the believers. It just comes with the territory. It just comes with the territory. And you know what I've learned? You know what I've learned? As you abide in the vine, you, anybody have a lot of trees around your house? Anybody? Get, just a few of you? All right. Anybody ever been in the woods on a windy day? Come on now. Hey, you know those trees talk? Trees talk. You get in the woods on a windy day, they talk. They make some strange noises. 
I said, they make some strange noises. You know what I've discovered? You get a body of believers together, <laughs> you can get some strange noises there too. <laughs> you know, you get a little squeaky now and then. Now, we still got that sin nature, but what brought us together? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're bought by the blood of Christ. Not one, not one person in here is any better than Hey, it took the same amount of, of the blood of Christ to save you as it did anybody else in this room. You're of the same value. Same value. We assemble together as we fellowship with the Lord. If you're going to fellowship with the Lord, there ought to be a natural understanding. I'm going to be around the people of God. It's just part of it. How important is the church to me? We're concluding the year 2023. We're concluding the year in church. Hallelujah, you're a winner in my book. But it's not my book that counts. Hello. It's what's in your heart, and it's what the Lord says. My prayer for you is that as we enter the next year, you understand the significance and the importance of being in church and how you can make a difference, how you can be the material that God can use to bless others and help others. You might say, well, I'm limited. Oh, you're not limited with God. Oh, you're, not li- you're only limited by your prayer life. Hello? All things are possible to him that believeth. Our limitations are only based on our unbelief. That's it. David, little shepherd boy, says, I I know he's a big fella. I know he's got all these masculine men scared. But Saul, I know I'm just a teenager, but let me at him. Well, you're just a little guy. I got a big God. I have a big God. I know this wasn't a typical sermon, but we had to cover that text. I just don't want to skip over the text, especially he's talking about the church, and it's the first time he mentions it. And to be quite honest with you, just between you and me, I'm pretty excited about the church. I've developed some of my best friendships through the church. My best friendships are in the church. This is my family. It really is. I, I, I feel closer to most of my church members than I do a lot of family members, and I love my family. But I didn't come out of a saved, I didn't come out of a family that was in church, and I'm just telling you, there's something we have in common that's strong, that holds weight. So I need to wrap this up. I need to land this plane. I need to pull into the dock because people need to depart. Restaurants are getting full. <laughs> Lord, bless the message. Thank you for your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would help all of us all of us, to consider our relationship with you and our relationship with your church. I don't know if I did it justice, but I did the best I could. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would draw people to you. Thank you. Thank you for how you've led people together. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, real quickly, maybe there's somebody here who would say, Preacher, The Lord has spoke to my heart. The Lord has specifically spoke to my heart. And with an uplifted land, I just want to uplifted hand, I just want to testify to that, and I'd ask for prayer as well. Is there anybody like that at this time? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 
I want to ask another question. It may be, it may be this morning there's somebody here that you're not certain you'll go to heaven. You don't want to die and go to hell, but you're not certain you'll go to heaven. I'll think about it. Eternity, it's a long time. I'd like to pray for you. If you're not sure that you'll go to heaven, if you'd lift your hand up, I can pray for you. Would you lift your hand up? Anybody like that? As I look around. You say, preacher, I do not know that I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. I do not know this. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand? All right. All right. Lord, bless our invitation. May we, as your church, respond and have a heart to finish strong and begin well the new year. And may we be in diligent prayer for your church and the church you've called us to. Thank you for it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian.